Hi and welcome to Art Alap, a podcast dedicated to conversations on visual culture with me Kamaini. On today's episode, we have with us Rintu Thomas and Sushmit Ghosh, whose debut feature Writing with Fire won the Special Jury Award Impact for Change and the Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival 2021 in the World Cinema Documentary category. The film is about the journalists of Khabar Lahiria, a rural feminist media initiative run by women largely from oppressed castes. Though it hasn't been released yet, I thought it'd be a good moment to talk with its directors about non-fiction film practice, its current context in South Asia, especially India, as well as the way in which it is being received and platformed within the international documentary circuit. Let me first introduce you to Rintu and Sushmit. graduates of the masters program at ajk mass communication research center or mcrc at jamia millia islamia they co-founded a production company with a focus on social justice called black ticket films in 2009 putting out in their words a slate of films that are being used as advocacy impact and educational tools by institutions across the world their work has been supported by international organizations including the sundance institute International Documentary Film Festival Amsterdam the Tribeca Institute and the Finnish Film Institute among many others they won the national award for best film on the environment in 2013 for their short documentary Timbuktu about an agricultural collective in Andhra Pradesh started by activists in the 1980s you can view all their films on black ticket films website on today's episode we discuss the political economy of documentary filmmaking its practitioners love hate relationship with the state i think every government media organization in india has been name checked in this episode um the influence and legacy of humanism in non fiction film and whether its future in south asia lies on tiktok type formats before we continue I'd like to let our listeners know how to access the material accompanying our conversation. To view the images and other material being referenced and discussed in the episode, click on the link in the show notes to access the guide. You can also find the link to the guide for each episode in our Instagram captions and tweets. Hi and welcome to Artalap, Rintu and Sushmit. It's great to have you with us. Hi Kamini, it's very exciting to be talking to you like this yeah i'm uh, like i'm quite thrilled that you guys agreed to be uh, on the show i've always been curious like a lot of people i'm sure uh, who uh, cinephiles who've sort of grown up you know reading about and um, hearing about the festival circuit um, what was it like being at sundance even if virtually i know you guys were there virtually because of the pandemic um, and what was it like finding out that you'd won the audience award and special jury prize it's a it's a huge moment no yeah i mean it's it's just uh... I think both of us have grown up uh, watching films that have come out of Sundance. Some of our favorite filmmakers have started their journey over there, so it it felt special to have Writing with Fire playing at Sundance, albeit virtually. But I think what blew our heads was that I mean, you know, the festival director called us up like at one in the morning and was just like, "You guys have won uh, the jury award." We're like what really? Is it like yeah yeah yeah? This is great. We'll just keep it on the loops because you know the announcements are going to happen in forty eight hours. But this is great. You need to make a little video. So we made the video and sent it through to them. And then twelve hours later, she calls us up again. Uh, this news because you've also won the audience award, and that's where it really sort of like that was special because you know even she said that winning winning um, the jury uh, award is is of course 
recognition for the film and you know from your peers but but the audience award is of course special and this year what happened was that because the festival was virtual uh sundance opened up the films that uh, it had in its slate pan america so instead of actually physically having to go to park city you could be sitting anywhere in the us and watching the film so there was a diverse audience that watched it and i think like pretty much most films that played at sundance this year went full house we went full house with both screenings so we had about 10000 uh, folks watching the film and from that to get the audience award was super super special so we were absolutely over the moon it's it's just such an honor and such a privilege also because what really mean you know uh, the, the stage uh and the scale of that stage because uh, non fiction filmmaking is such a lonely ex- enterprise you're pretty much doing everything on your own and we'd been doing that for this particular film uh five long years and in the middle came the pandemic which threw so many uncertainties um uh, vis-a-vis everything of uh, festivals and and building your audience and everything so uh for an entirely indian film made by indian directors produced by an indian crew to have that kind of stage i mean awards apart but just that stage for the story to find its first audience was so satisfying um and and i think it also opens up many many um gates for a lot of other things that will follow a lot of other stories that are in the making i think that is also a significant thing to uh, for us really mm, yeah and i think you know one of the things that i'm interested in um taking off you know from your win specific win is that also uh, i'm interested in how you view the interest in indian or south asian films or films from the global south within the you know international exhibitionary complex um uh, which you know one might call the film festival circuit um in regular parlance um and particularly how it pertains to non fiction cinema you know in the past few years we're seeing more attention on films that come out of our part of the world um off the top of my head i can uh, think of films like saving face um an insignificant man or uh, naim mohammed's work um that has certain implications political economic and infrastructural for uh, movie making and documentary film making um in india let's say so how do you how do you what do you think of that how do you conceive of that how do you uh, view that sort of um, phenomenon and i think that it's an answer that is an important one for people to hear because you guys are big winners but also like therefore in a position to speak about this kind of shift you know infrastructural shift um and there you know there are political reasons for this that's kind of what i'm trying to get at also it, it is a sort of like i mean the canvas is massive like your question is really interesting so let me just if you look at sort of like what's been happening over the past few years this this bigger question about who tells who stories you know that is his essentially grip like the global non fiction community so to speak this larger debate of you know do white folks get to tell stories uh, about black lives uh, that matter or you know or or who controls the narrative so you know in india as well uh, we've had like so many so many documentaries non fiction projects where you have like american crews or british crews come in and and tell stories that are essentially quintessentially indian but 
you know, I think I think over the course of the last four or five years, these conversations have sort of like taken precedence, and 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 that in itself has essentially informed how these stories are now being told, and really sort of the gatekeepers have in a sense shifted. You know, if you look at from just an industry point of view globally, like more and more of these positions are now being manned by people of color, women of color. And, and that essentially is allowing for, you know, these pathways to open where filmmakers from, you know, the global South are able to sort of tap into the resources required to essentially tell stories that are important to us and, and tell it in a way that comes from the heart, is an absolutely sort of like quintessential local story, but has global relevance as well, you know. It also sort of goes back to the fact, you know, this conversation that we were having last time about in India specifically, there is this, you know, institutional support for documentaries is almost missing. I mean, it's safe to say there is nothing over here for a documentary filmmaker who's sort of like, you know, trying to break into the industry, who wants to sort of... Um, work on a project for say two or three years how do you do it you need to do these side gigs and it's essentially this gig economy that you need to sort of like you know survive and then put in whatever you're saving into sort of your dream project right and and you can only in a sense go that far with that and and so for 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 the films that have come out of india over the course of the last i would say seven eight years if you look at these documentaries these are these are films that have been supported by really the institutions of Institutions that that bring a lot of credibility, institutions that bring a lot of strength, institutions that strengthen your own canvas of storytelling from, say, the Sundance to the Idfas of the world to, say, you know, commissioning editors with channels who are now supporting stories from the global south. And India, of course, has always been a point of interest because I don't think we're a country, we're literally a continent. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, the sheer number of talent, uh, talented people, the sheer volume of talent. That's for sure. I mean, the range of stories that we have and just, I mean, if you go to sort of like storytelling culture also in India changes. I mean, you just need to like travel 100 kilometers, food, language, oral traditions, everything sort of like, you know, yeah. you see a big jump. So, so there's just such a repository of sort of storytellers over here. And I think the world is, I wouldn't say discovering, but I would say has has found ways in which to support um, folks coming from here, telling our stories. So, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's two things that I kind of want to respond to. And I think that, first of all, like what you said about, you know, the sort of white gaze um, that dominated, that has dominated, obviously, the international filmmaking uh, complex is uh, part, is, is sort of receding in a sense or being challenged, let's say. That's one kind of way of looking at it. Um, and there's a kind of decolonization of documentary practice that's maybe happening, but it, the money is still being rooted through uh, power centers in the global north, right? Like I'm thinking of a documentary like, um, you know, to your point, like, you know, period, end of sentence, right? Although directed by an American, it was co-produced by an Indian team led by Guneet Monga, which was very involved on ground, uh, as I understand from reading interviews, uh, in putting the film together. And in that sense, there were many local eyes that were part of the filmmaking assemblage, which was widely critiqued within the subcontinent, which won an Oscar, which was lauded worldwide. And it was 
it was a film that attracted a lot of very valid criticisms about representation but at the same time when we talk about diversity and we talk about inclusion that is also determined entirely by a kind of you know imperialist corporate aesthetic and political logic right like who like what kinds of stories are also acceptable to for you know festivals in the global north i mean not always but that's definitely a part of it right like when you have um, the, the power centers are still located in let's say the uk the us sort of anglo american contexts so that's always a sort of worry as well like what kinds of representations even by local filmmakers are um, validated or um, appreciated and the other thing is i think what you talked about which i think is a really important point about you know the the, the dwindling of already poor resources um dedicated to you know filmmaking film practice and documentary film practice in particular the traditional source of financing for independent documentaries in india has been the state you know whether it's psbt or public service broadcasting trust or uh, films division or nftc uh, and last year i think there was a restructuring with uh, the national film archives of india uh, and films division merging into uh, nfdc national film development corporation of india for those who don't know um so that i think is very interesting because it's almost like these things are not coincidental right there's a shrinking of state support and 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 a kind of pumping of international money into uh, because of that lack you know so that is not you can't decouple those and i think that is a very interesting point you made about this kind of reduction of resources um, you know through the 2010s people have studied uh, the relationship between the film festival circuit uh, as part of a global culture industry configured by the the west quote unquote uh, financial systems and ideological values and you know then the link to the neoliberal documentary form uh, which is basically the representation the representation of a uh, um reality let's say in the global south that's palatable to the to this west and you know you are part of a generation that is navigating that shift which i think is also really interesting and what you said about the gig economy logic i mean i think that's true of all practitioners right like i feel like i never want to see the words seo content writing ever again like i will <laughs> literally bodily reject that phrase <laughs> like we're all hustling and we're all doing these great creative projects on the side yeah and we've always been on like in terms of just wanting to tell our story it's always been finance right you want you want to do five other things so that you can just fund uh, this one yeah. thing that you truly believe in but nobody else does um and and i think earlier uh, very early on when we had just started um, black ticket films and we were just contemplating or, or strategizing on how do we get projects um and this is way back in 2009 2010 where uh a social media you know we're just transitioning from awkward to facebook um and thing is is organic so you're building your audience um brick and mortar showing our age and really showing our yeah. age all of us awkward <laughs> and we, we realized that you know what is what is institutional support what are the what are the uh, avenues it's it's either psbt um uh, films division it's it's uh, all these um other small grants within these organizations uh and uh, the the DVAP oh, right right the directorate of advertising and visual publicity the DVAP impanel 
which meant that you had to be a vendor and get registered etc so we said okay let's try and like develop our own things um which nobody is going to really fund at the moment but also let's try try and tap into what exists so we actually applied to dd urdu right oh, in the wow. beginning amazing <laughs> proposal it was very interesting Gold moves. Calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on um, on revolutionary muslim women throughout indian history and you know it was just like a like a portrait series uh, of 10 episodes which was uh, which it was an open call and we sort of like boiled down to like a 10 11 episode piece on yes. muslim women who sort of like changed yeah yeah and it had an entry fee so you had to pay 12000 rupees or 20 no we ended up so oh yeah this is the story it's so we story. didn't have yeah. money in our bank <laughs> wait you then. did let me get this right you guys had to pay dd yeah you so had to, to pay so there was an application yeah. fees of 25000 yes and we borrowed 12 and a half thousand each from our Mother. parents yeah. uh to and it was a made a demand draft and then yeah. you know so you know i mean this whole conversation about how the power centers lie in the west or you know the anglo-saxon actually the power centers actually lie in india as well no for uh, sure there are for sure not, yeah no, not to sort if you look yeah. at the industry itself there is nothing stopping say an a-list bollywood producer from coming in and investing in uh in fiction or indie non-fiction yeah. in fact even with writing with fire uh we approached uh producers in india uh, along our journey to sort of you know come on board and we didn't find that interest and so obviously when we went sort of like you know pitching the film globally and that's mm-hmm. where people woke up to the story and now of course everyone's saying wow like you know why didn't you come to us and we're like but we did and you weren't interested so what do we make of that so so this debate about how you know and it's specifically in 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 non fiction because there's literally nothing available i think interestingly like over the course of the last few years you know institutions like bgdm brownwell doc mafia they were filmmakers they are mm-hmm. artists who came together and really challenged the system and they have rewritten the rules of the game like bgdm has contested so many sort of like pieces that are being put out by these powerful ott networks challenging you know who's the producer and why is this executive producer you know your choice of you know how did you actually get this story made what was your process that was really wrong so you know these are not just cultural conversations but these are conversations that filmmakers are now having with you know the the guard so to speak yeah. and and it's happening that and i think that it's 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 really heartening to see that you know this this whole debate of like how much should we step out of like these boundaries that have been drawn for us is and it's scary to do that especially uh when you're working in a genre that that is so such a lonely practice yeah. you know uh so do you want to stick your neck out so many folks are doing that and just but the act of doing that itself has led to so many conversations that are leading to change it's going to take time mm. but i think uh it's happening and and the rules are being rewritten i don't know how that's going to affect like you know folks like you and me but i do believe that it is going to going to sort of like you know change a lot of things um and and i think fundamentally one of the fundamental reasons why now there is this revived interest um 
in, in, in storytelling from the South by storytellers from the South is exactly that. That filmmakers in the West have woken up to this piece about like, you know, why should white men be telling our stories? And who are these people who actually sort of like, you know, uh, throw a dollar at us and expect sort of like a certain kind of narrative that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. their sort of like sense of colonial guilt or whatever it is that you mm -hmm. want to call it. So, um, and I also think that those hierarchies are replicated even within a particular media culture, right? Like, let's say India or South Asia. I mean, we are basically dominated. We are a bourgeois Savarn-dominated industry, culture sector. All of us, for instance. And you know, the Savarna case is in many ways analogous to the to the white case. Um, and, you know, returning to our discussion of the uh, international political economy of culture, like who in the global south gets to tell stories like even within the global south there are all these stratifications um you know who in the global south gets to represent their reality uh, which is usually problematically um conceived of or sort of framed in terms of the national you know for the global market um like you know in india middle to upper class folk from upper castes uh, are the ones who'll even be resourced enough to make it to these festivals you know i but i just want to kind of go back to your uh, filmography in general i want to take a look at your work through black ticket films um it seems like there's been a mix of commercial commissioned work that you guys spoke about and um, films like films that seem to be you know of your uh, part of your own kind of uh, passion like kings of horror which was about the ramsey brothers movies from the 80s and of course writing with fire about uh, khabar leheria how do you balance your personal political and aesthetic commitments across projects where you have varying levels of you know control over the content very early on we 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 as we were pitching ourselves to different organizations and this was a time when people didn't have communication budgets um uh, allocated for films or any kind of visual material we were actually creating pitch decks and approaching organizations saying you know you do this incredible work you need to look at how you can use the visual medium to talk back to your uh, funders or audiences or just people to talk about your work, etc. And um, and and that's how we built our portfolio really. And and while that was happening, we always made sure that there was time um, and money saved to do our own thing. And and we looked at it as two separate things at that time. Um, and Delhi and Timbuktu and Notes yeah. from a Beautiful City. Mm. Um, these are films that emerged out of that that process. But I think we've been very fortunate that our commissioned work has more or less, I'd say, nine out of ten times hit the, the uh, interest points that we have. Mm -hmm. So had the incredible for good fortune to work with uh, projects that are talking about working with adolescent uh, girls and and health and public health in in rural uh, India where. Uh, women who have taken charge to uh, change things for themselves and their communities um, and sustainable livelihoods, resilience of uh, uh, local communities through uh, their culture of food. So, you know, there was always this similarity in mm -hmm. interest. So it, it, either we went looking for it or they came looking for us. Eventually, as the, as the company was growing and we, the teams were growing, we were just like, you know, this is exactly what I want to do. So, and I'm getting paid to do this. It was really the overarching uh, joy of it. 
but there have been uh, projects that have that we that were pitched to us where the lens didn't feel right mm-hmm. or the, the the tonality with which the story was being uh, uh, conceived was didn't feel right and we've always had those conversations right on the beginning where we have said you know this is how we would like to see because there is a great deal of power that we have as storytellers as filmmakers and and we are aware of the power that rests with us within us so we want to use that responsibly uh, and those are very open conversations that we've had with all uh, the folks that you know were commissioning projects to us and sometimes those conversations have not really taken a shape uh, or direction that we would have uh, liked and one has said no to those mm-hmm. projects and and even within work that we've done there've been so many times where you're interviewing somebody uh, and and this could be a young girl who's just fought off child marriage or or, or a mother who's lost her daughter to because there's no public health in in majuli in assam you know mm-hmm. and the club has actually been announced and you know let's ask them this and where we've stepped in and said no because what we are trying to get at is not uh, uh you know uh, uh, scratching raw wounds so it's really these negotiations it's language it's how you put across your questions where we've actively negotiated and that is a part of 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 our work ethic at mm. BTF and every person who's worked with us uh, every person in our team across the past 10 11 years that's the culture uh, that we we really uh, hold very close to our hearts so wherever our our people and i call them our people have gone and now now working in different aspects of the industry uh, I, we know that this is something that they they're carrying um, that's what brought us together and that's what we're actually uh, taking to every project that we go yeah yeah and actually that's you know one of the things that i think is really important to um, keep in mind even when looking at you know a film like writing with fire which uh, i haven't of course had the chance to uh, see it and so can't uh, comment specifically on or other films that you you know the shorter documentaries that you made in the past uh, i'm thinking of like notes from a beautiful city for example um, about the communities that were displaced during the 2010 commonwealth games held in delhi you know where there is a kind of danger of exploiting the subject and um, because already the gaze is so determined by you know a subject position that is not symmetrical with the person being interviewed right so they're much more vulnerable and we these debates are very old in documentary film practice from you know grierson onwards these conversations have been had this is not new but like imagine 120 years later we're still talking about this within you know the discourse of cinema so uh, yeah i mean and i think that that's something that i also was curious about the ethic of of engaging with other people because documentary film practice is often it's it's about other people right and so it's you can't decouple it even aesthetically from those questions of interpersonal relationships and sort of relational power play which you may be able to do in fiction film because you know fiction shows you what's probable or possible given the specific set of conditions in the world uh, not what is to put it really crudely and i was also actually looking at uh, films like notes on a beautiful city uh, and um, even zara queen of the desert you know uh, which is a kind of wildlife documentary and also like uh, the latest only for 18 and above which seems to be like about 
sort of encouraging people to vote or like participate in elections and democracy. So the postcards to me section of black ticket films, I felt like it reminded me of the films division shots of your, you know, there is that kind of quality, a lot of the thematic uh, and even some of the formal kind of uh, configurations are sort of reminiscent of, of that ilk of films. How do you locate your practice within the broader history uh, of the Indian documentary and uh, even like, or even the contemporary currents, how do you position yourself in that, you know, force field of practices that constitute documentary or nonfiction film in India? One of the core reasons why we essentially started Black Ticket Films was how do you create nonfiction content that engages the Indian viewer? Because we were coming of a time where we didn't have DSLRs yet that made the visual image look a certain way where, you know, you had these full frame cameras that, that can play with depth in a manner that yeah. can make you look gorgeous. So you had to sort of be shooting with your PDs or your Z1s, you know, uh, and, and the images in a sense had a consistently flat quality, you know, so how do you sort of break away from form yeah. and sort of redesign stories in a way that can engage an audience. So I remember one of our first indies was this uh, film called In Search of My Home, which was about two families, one an Afghan family and a, a Burmese uh, family, a Myanmar's family, where basically they were living in Delhi as invisible uh-huh. citizens. And the challenge that we had was formalistically, like we could only do interviews and nothing else. Like, you know, so we decided to sort of like break away from that. And one story was shot entirely as stop motion photographs. So you had scenes playing out, but like, you know, it's you see the movement play out as stop motion pieces. And we used text and, we you know, painted on glass and, you know, stuff like that happened. And, and we put this film out. And this was our first film where we leveraged Facebook. And on World Refugee Day, this film played in across 20 countries. One of the families had been denied their UN refugee certification. And this film created, well, created so much noise in Delhi that the UNHCR eventually had to revoke its own stance and issue a refugee certificate to uh, the Myanmar's family. So so I, I don't know how to locate this in, in sort of Indian nonfiction practice because I think we have so much more to do before we can actually sort of like find this space because you know uh we have the doyens of like i mean anand patwardhan is someone who yeah who's worked everyone who's um everyone's grown up to you know so 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 these are like you know the godfathers who we look up to and 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 so i don't know if you've actually actively ever talked about where do we see us in india but it's always been about how do we tell this story? How does one approach it? And does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I'm hearing you also talk about your early films and the sort of stylistic decisions you made, this kind of, all these sort of um, formal choices with regard to, say, the the lens and the kind of camera, the, I mean, especially like I'm thinking also of notes on a beautiful city, like it seemed like more wide angle shots as well of stills, right? And um, so this sense of like panorama in a way, uh, where, you know, for, in communities that are actually completely invisible. 
so you kind of flip that optical logic right on its head so there are obviously like these decisions you're making i'm actually thinking of you know i wrote a very critical piece on anand patwardhan so in art forum basically i talked about how like you know his uh, film like reason you know there's a particular strain of political documentary that's otos at this point when he made ram ke naam ram ram ke naam in 92 or 93 nearly 90s mm-hmm. uh those talking heads of young men saying spewing this garbage was provocative and scary mm-hmm. and now it's banal like mm-hmm. people we have a terrorist in parliament who say this so that's also kind of you you and, and there are aesthetic stakes here i mean and there are real very real ethical stakes here so i think that when we say when we when we talk about the aesthetics of impact that shift is very important to talk about people like anand patwardhan important as they are of course they sort of emerge at a particular moment in post emergency india where there's a very different media sphere a very different technological you know environment so i think that this that th- that's something i'm really interested in also you know hearing from you as we maybe advance through the interview you know what is this aesthetics of impact um because that i think is a more interesting formulation to think about it, it has there are very real political and material um consequences there are ethical consequences and they all are inherent in the form and style of the film like as you know we were just discussing they're not they cannot be delinked so mm-hmm. um you know and i'm also thinking of a film like kings of horror kings of horror is a film that uh, is it's a short documentary about this sort of uh, cinematic culture of the 1980s and the uh, and the kind of social um, worlds and social imaginaries that uh, sort of were, were part of the viewing experience of these sort of b grade horror films the um, way in which you chose to shoot the film a the ramsey brothers did not want to appear on camera you made that clear in the film and b you have all these contemporary filmmakers who are now big shots like shriram raghavan anra kashyap ashim alwalia legitimizing that nostalgia and talking about their own boyhood love affair with the cd 80s films so the talking heads and also the graphic um, interventions that you guys use the illustrations i want to i want to talk to you guys about that because i know that you you discussed how there was a certain kind these were choices that you also had to make because of the limitations of what was available to you materially right and i want to talk a little bit about that so how do how do you know your film aesthetics get determined by that by the lack i mean tha ye film banane ke liye jaise banaya i um like like a lot of projects of the heart we started talking about it when we were in college and we had we shared the love for uh, you know ranse ki ye dekhi hai and and most of this viewing was clandestine as we were growing up kind of things and we'd always talked about in our uh, random conversation well, we should we should explore this you know india has a very bad culture of like not archiving it's uh, fascinating past so we should we should and we would never get to it till after timbuktu we saw this call out from psb2 saying you know call for proposals and sushmit said you know i think we should put um ramse wali film ka proposal and i thought psb2 is never going to fund anything like that why do you even want to waste ियोग्राफी ट्राइंग टू डू 
this kind of cinema how did they thrive and what does that tell us about our film watching and film producing culture so that was the larger question we were exploring uh, and then vsbt told us what the budget was yeah i mean let me realize that we basically had literally <laughs> that was the real moment of horror <laughs> <laughs> uh, ironically like the budget had gone down from many years ago when we done timbuktu with vsbt uh incidentally like we were getting offered less and you know in all their graciousness psbt said from this commission of filmmakers you've actually got the most and we were like but this doesn't even touch 4 lakhs like how am i supposed to get a team together let alone travel to bombay stay in bombay and and you know i mean you're trying to sort of line up an interview with anurag kashyap and you don't you have no idea whether he's going to give you time or not and we discovered how notorious the film industry can be because you land up there but you got to sort of wait like 3 days before so through friends and friends of friends you know we were able to reach out to these folks and they were super they were just like let's do this and we discovered why because of their love for the ramses i mean they are big fans uh, of of the work of the ramses so i think that is what made making this film so special because we knew very early on that this was going to be a joyous ode to the ramsey brothers whether they decide to come on camera or not and and, and it the, how we sort of designed the first cut was exactly what you're talking about it was a super political cut because the film talked about themes of censorship about politics about again who gets to tell whose stories i and how if you're not a part of a clique mm. then you're out of the economic sort of out of the economics of what bollywood essentially Yeah. is all about how do you beat the system and how modern day sort of authors so to speak actually have followed the ramsey model to sort of like you know yeah build on they built on their legacy but the legacy has never been recognized and you know i mean uh, this is something that we've always talked about like sort of like when i think about it like i i always go back to the cinematographers like shubhrata mitra who shot all of ray's films yeah who basically gave us the concept of bounce light mm archiving like nobody knows who shubhrata mitra is yeah. ashok mehta like a contemporary legend kisi ko pata hi nahi hai ashok mehta kya sochte lighting ke bare mein unki zindagi mein kya hua tha partition mein wo idhar aaye the kya hua like we have no history in india of archiving our greats and who's to say that the ramses are not greats you know and 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 who's to say that their work is not amazing because yeah you have like um, distribution houses in canada from canada all the way to romania and japan yeah. Mm-hmm. You have the work of the Ramses, and 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 you know, so why is this legacy sort of like not yeah. preserved? Uh, and who is in charge of preserving it? So these are the larger questions of the film. Yeah, I think like what essentially happened was that you know film buffs such as yourself sort of like really took to it. You know, school of arts and aesthetics sort of like you know they reached out to us and said we need to show this to our current batch because you know it is so in line with. Yeah. each over here and and we need to see like these contemporaries talk about the ramses but yeah i mean we've had a dissertation come out of the sar right on the ramses kartik nayar he's written about he's done like you know um, hundreds of pages on the ramses bootstrapped uh, um budget sort of like pushed us to think how do we put this thing together 
Yeah. We had these bunch of interviews, fascinating conversations, really. Um, and we said, you know, why why don't we put it together, which is not our usual style, but as a talking head film, like harking back back to the 80s and the 90s documentaries yeah. we all grew up watching. And because of what the content that, that was coming back uh, to the viewer was so uh, full of revelation stories, anecdotes, and just getting getting these people, um, Ajay Agrawal or uh, Aarti uh, Samri Lebs Samri himself yeah. uh, on screen we knew that it was engaging content and then to sort of as to reflect also um, mm. symbolism to the Ramsey universe itself, we sort of like um, made sure that there was this music video kind of feel to some of the footage we yeah. our footage with theirs and to create a short piece that is still tip of the iceberg. You know, that's a project that we would actually love to go deeper into, talk about. And and a lot, all of our indie work is also extremely political, as you said, you know, choose yeah. to talk about the Commonwealth Games and who's kept out of this whole edifice of development is our response, mm. is our anger towards uh, the way the state was putting together a sports ac- extravaganza. You know, who are you? Who are at the margins of citizenship? Who can be heard? Who can be seen? Who is invisibilized structurally? You know, these are things that not consciously. One is constantly um, dealing with that. Uh, So even in this, you know, the the real star system that exists within Bollywood, where you're an actor or a C-lister, and if you've acted in a Ramse film, then you can't be in a Yashraj film. And how these dynamics actually inform the cultural production of an entire nation. So these are questions we are asking in the film. And so far, whoever's seen it has responded with so much love. It's already being used as um, educational material, uh, in universities um, globally, so we know that the film has a life beyond uh, festival yeah. or the couple of uh, public exhibitions that it's had, and that's that's great fun because then the film has a life beyond us. Yeah, 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 and that's also interesting, you know, to think about. You know, documentary film also, of course, has always been part of pedagogical. Uh, the pedagogical apparatus, teaching material, mm. and to have a film like Kings of Horror, you know, be within that canon is, um, I'm sure it must be very gratifying, um, because it's also an unusual film to be, you know, included in such a manner. Mm. Uh, but I think that that's true also, like this, uh, the genealogy of independent filmmakers in India, like as we saw in the film, uh, you know, uh, uh, connected to the Ramses, who were sort of one of the early independent film practitioners, in a sense, uh, or a certain and older generation of independent film practitioners outside of the <clears throat> Bollywood firmament, within the complex of um, you know industrial Hindi cinema, um, they'd set up a cottage industry of sorts uh, that didn't quite operate at the scale of the big studios, but was making as much or more money than they were uh, in the in the 80s um you know rishi majumdar uh, wrote an essay about the ramses i think it was called ramses international um apparently tulsi ramse called his sort of these home productions um tiffin box productions there was something bittersweet as well about like seeing all of these faces as they morphed from the original footage to the present day older wizened kind of, you know, real people who played those figures. So um, there's a lot of that. And I think that what Lintu said also about, you know, the, the it being political, choosing to work 
with an archive of schlock i mean that's political right so yeah but i also thought like and that when i was watching kings of horror it sort of struck me as well that you know that that poignant aspect of you know seeing these faces and this kind of flinty nostalgia we spoke about you know your influences internationally and you cited you know werner herzog and um, you know the new iranian cinema of the 1990s among your influences and i remember thinking that going back to those uh, the, the talking heads of the, these actors there's a kind of stoic humanism at the heart of you know both herzog's work and the uh, you know iranian cinema of uh, the 90s kerostami and panahi and all of these people even with writing with fire the little that i managed to glimpse online there's a sense of being up against the odds which can be a very triumphalist sort of narrative but also a starkness to their limits and this humanist kind of ethos do you want to just expand on that bit i don't think we wanted to make heroes out of anybody heroes or heroines like any of the films that i mean in in sense in timbuktu bablu gangli holds the narrative together but i mean you know he's just another farmer amongst the many hundreds he's working with so that's something that we were sort of like fairly think, conscious um, about and i think uh, we were talking to a couple of fellow filmmakers sometime last year and you know just just like jamming on what are you working on ideas etc and we were talking about a couple of films that we have done or or, or are in the works and one of the things that uh, this filmmaker she said you know i realized that um you guys place your stories a lot in outliers or disruptors and is that a conscious choice and that's when we were like mm-hmm. wow that's 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 someone else reflecting on a uh, new yeah. work which consciously doing what people who are constantly by the nature of uh, how hierarchy works in society in families everywhere like or on the margins so to speak and then from there sort of like you know pushing with their way in creating an alternative uh, vision for a future finding their own voice mm. and these are people that we get naturally attracted to could be a farmer could be the ramsey could be the construction worker who's building a giant um, mnc complex that uh, has nothing to do with it like him uh, the day he, he gets off the uh, tallest lift um or if it's the journalist in khabar lehria it's really people who go not going to take a status quo on the face of it and our job is really um to through the visual medium uh, find the unique language for each story to really you know engage that's our voice you know my art is my voice that's my that's my comment that's my conversation when i'm entering a room yeah. and uh, uh, and 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 uh, you as an audience can agree engage disagree but that's that's what i'm bringing to the conversation and so that i think that's why that's one that's why one does this job and is fascinated by it day in day out because of this leap of faith one is taking with uh, the characters and and this relationship of trust and therefore it's not a conscious effort to humanize it that's the natural style that's what that's what attracts us to stories that's what stories have done to us yeah. um, and and uh, mm. uh, and so again this when when we are articulating it to you or to that other filmmaker we're able to you know mm. uh, intellectualize it and put in like try to like i'm sounding like there's a system to it but it's yeah. very intuitive mm-hmm. it's it's a story that we've read on the internet in the magazine or a photo story 
that we saw uh, on the internet that's how we got to know about khabarleria's work so it's it's a small trigger and then you know you know this is the story you want to tell yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah i just i to me it did seem like that um when you spoke about you know the films that the filmmakers who um whose work has sort of you know affected your own practice i mean i i'm sure you'll respond but just that I, when i when i think about a film like grizzly man hogs documentary i mean or or like you know or cave of forgotten dreams which is political like everything is but it's not explicitly wearing its politics on its sleeves or into the abyss which is absolutely wearing its politics on its sleeve i mean this kind of you know these close ups these of faces the lingering shots you know and the compositions of arrangements between human nature um the world and the human subject against this kind of complicated tapestry you know whether it's the wild whether it's the justice system whether it's you know an- ancestral heritage i'm i'm just thinking that, that maybe that is an approach that you know you articulate in some in some sense when you talk about the way that you take the camera to these um, locations and to these people for instance in in the lives of uh, these journalists from khabarleria or the ramse brothers you only get a glimpse there's something oblique and there's something that's off screen right um and there's only so much that you can accompany them but you're trying to capture that on camera so what kind of relationship can you forge as an outsider who's uh, who's approaching with empathy so that i think those things are really what kind of make make for instance the work of these people that you know we were discussing uh, uh humanistic sushma do you want to say anything you've been unusually quiet <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such a hard question to respond to because after our last call also i was just like you know having a chat with him to about like kya influences hai and it's just such a massive range i mean and and yeah. we're talking about our own personal history so storytelling is something that had been lying around in my family forever like i mean yeah. i'm a, a grandchild of like my grandparents on either side came into india as refugees and so our family so always this has always been sort of like this hidden trauma no one talked yeah. about it they would talk about it you know in bits and pieces now they're in the 90s we don't want to broach these stories but they come out like in these moments mm. and mother used to sort of like as uh, when i was a kid she used to read out abul tabul shukumar's uh, stories and mahashwetha devi stories what a range like you mm. know from to all the way to sort of somebody like mahashwetha devi and then and, and then in college i discovered manto through uh, uh shafi who is a sort of like a batchmate of ours and 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 so our lane in college in ncrc had been renamed sadat hasan manto lane Yeah. So one day I was talking with Shafi. I was like, "Ki Manto kahan hai?" And he was like, "Tu Manto ko nahi jaante." And Shafi was an Urdu scholar. I was like, "No, I don't." And that was like, I mean, and and the joy of like MCRC. I mean, as like, a North Indian, it's like how dare, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> it was my level of you know I was in my own echo chamber, like such ignorance. Ki Manto ko nahi jaante. <laughs> so and and shafi had sort of like he was he studied urdu so obviously i mean you know and and the, and the joy of being in jamia was all 45 of us came from very different sort of like it was a huge socio economic range yeah. that represented like india so shafi was like chalo mere saath so he took me to the jamia library and he pulled out manto's short stories 
issued the books and he was like i will read mantu to you in urdu and now sir mujhe urdu samajh bhi nahi aati to bahut theeth hai main angrezi mein pad lunga and he was like angrezi mein na translation ho chuka hai so uska maza nahi aayega main padhta hu aur har line main tumhe samjha dunga fir and i and that sort of that one week where he read out mantu's short stories to me we used to sit in this uh, old studio garden after college was over and he would read these stories out to me had such a profound impact on 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 me because i was just like that is storytelling where in one paragraph you can really sort of assault all my senses yeah. and suck my soul out and then stuff it back in again and make me feel invigorated how can you how can you do that with words in half a page like that's amazing i don't know how to sort of like yeah yeah influences because it's all over and no and, for sure for sure yeah Yeah, it's it's always a question that I I get a bit stumped to respond to yeah. because when people there have been new influences and I'm just like I don't know who to pick because I love David Fincher as well but you know yeah. but David Fincher एक जगह जांगीमु एक जगह और फिर you know कैसे इस को हम कंटेन करें मेरे साथ तो और भी वर्स है I had not seen a single documentary in my life till I reached the doors of MCRC और पहले दिन when they were like you know just introductions and what would you like to be and people said oh I like you know few people said these are the kinds of films that i watched and i want to be a documentary filmmaker and i remember thinking documentary filmmaker kon banna chahta hai like what is the viability of famous <laughs> last words <laughs> yeah was <laughs> it in my head and 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 look look where life takes you but i so in terms of just like you know my own understanding of cinema was very basic i'd grown up on like 80s 90s ka cable television watching mm. bollywood from the 90s which is uh, by by far like the worst that bollywood produced <laughs> that's true this is accurate yeah. and um, so she i guess she will sing you all the 90s listen, songs of the listen we need to get we need to get on a separate call for this i'm afraid a therapy will be involved for all of us because i think we are <laughs> <laughs> my car when we are out on shoots no one wants to be in the car with me because i am constantly playing the listen i am with you we need to start a club um, it's like we're all dealing with the ptsd of the 90s cultural yeah. assault on our collective senses but i i totally get that i mean and also like you know you mentioned manto again you know somebody he's again a, you know sort of humanist uh, writer and i don't think that it's always easy to kind of what you guys said no like uh, map these influences in that way directly mm-hmm. like that's not a thing that happens for any artistic practitioner uh, and it's also by the way uh, sushmit a great advertisement for public universities <laughs> look where that this takes you um yeah you know jamia being this kind of really diverse um, uh, place with with people of different backgrounds uh, we need we need that mm-hmm. and you know you talked about how different your influences were i am very interested in this kind of collective filmmaking that your practice is constituted by by virtue of you being two people who are collaborating constantly and being a unit we you know india has had a long tradition of collective documentary practice but i want to know from you the logistics and sort of practicalities of working together whether it's sound whether it's camera work how do you come to cinematographic decisions how do you make those sound decisions especially because you guys are the document the kind of documentaries you make your shooting uh, in you know on location and developing relationships that's a whole other part of documentary practice that's off camera so how do you sort of ये जुगलबंदी कैसे होती है? I think first and foremost is curating the team. 
कौन है वॉट इज द सेंसिबिलिटी दैट यू वॉन्ट ऑन दैट टीम फॉर दैट पर्टिक्युलर प्रोजेक्ट एंड वी वीर रियली लाइक एंड्स वेन कम्स टू प्लानिंग सो दर अ होल प्रोसेस बिफोर विच यू रीच प्रोडक्शन सो यू नो डूइंग आर रिसर्च जस्ट jotting down the story on paper and it's all projections these are things that you would estimate but uh, we've never landed up with a camera on any location not knowing uh, you know what to do so we spend a lot of time during the pre production and we kind of handpick handpick the team that we want to work with from the dps to uh, the editor to the person's going to do the music so that's that's the real jugal bandi where everyone is is on the same page of kya karne wale hain and what are their influences what kind of references are we looking at ab tak kya kiya hai and how do we want to change that so that's a big conversation always do you have new people working with you for different films or do you have like a your cohort big pool now of uh, people that we have been constantly working on it keeps increasing we are very excited uh, about working with a uh, new people so till till i think the pandemic hit us there were people constantly interning with us and our first interns are now writers and and uh, so dps and um, and so uh, it's a big family um, and and from that pool we constantly try to match make different projects and see it's really about who's going to get that lens um, and you know understands the story as intuitively as we do and but when the actual filming is happening it's really a choreography of what we know and what's what's coming towards us as a surprise and between sushmit and me we've realized now that he's sort of like the big picture person you know the larger details uh that and i'm the finer details like the smaller nitty gritties person and that works really well as a combination yeah. and uh, we have a good days very good days bad days terrible days but <laughs> it's all, it's all, uh and people who work with us and now understood that that symphony <laughs> i think it's fun for them cuz like you know i mean you know you switch off at the end of the day when you finished your shoot cuz but like for us we just like also married couple you know yeah. so into another gear so yeah it's fun it, it, it's not easy but i don't think we would have it any other way because i think what i think the most important thing that went on to us sort of starting work together and incubating the idea of black ticket films was that we might have very different ways and approaches to telling stories and our styles of directing are very different but philosophically we are sort of aligned with what we want to do with the the medium of storytelling and and, and whether that be non fiction and now potentially fiction as well a couple of ideas that we're working on we just know where we want to go with it and i think that's so important so like what you larger vision is and 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 what is it that you're trying to do as an artist especially in the context of you know place like india where, where you art can have many ramifications yeah yeah in the times we're in now so yeah 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 i guess i mean it's to me it's interesting how uh, people who are sort of you know uh, working together as a unit have to kind of develop this coordination and uh, just this kind of also logistical and practical chemistry you know uh, that i think and filmmaking is such a uh, an intensive resource intensive job 
final question and i think this is a broad one but i but an important one now this film that you've done writing um with fire is sort of you know based within the news media sphere and it struck me that so this is just a casual taxonomy but with non fiction film you have a few broad strands that have emerged in india not in terms of genres but in terms of sites of consumption let's say so you have the the classic sort of news media documentary which these days is also a vehicle for government propaganda because we no longer have a free press the independent social or political documentary you know whether state funded or privately mm-hmm. produced um that in india historically found its viewers via public screenings at universities or cultural centers or even maybe localities um and that's now migrated online perhaps in some cases then there is the contemporary art non fiction work which uh, which is installed in white cube or black cube spaces and one might expand a sort of post cinematic horizon to include native internet formats like tiktok for example which is a largely subaltern media form so how do you think of these various strands of non fiction film as practitioners maybe a slightly uh, dense question but i think your answer is important mujhe to bahut acha lagta hai that i mean you have so many different ways of sort of like you know expressing now and not less to do with technology because i think that the internet has also changed the way we are telling our stories and consuming yeah. our stories so you know as 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 bresson i think once said i'd rather people feel a film than uh, understand it because feelings are right before intellect you know so even a photograph is a story and i remember like alex maioli who is an italian photographer with with magnum and his work had a profound impact on me and i was like aise shoot karna hai black and white mein aise hi kaam karenge hum nahi nahi bhai hamari bas ki nahi thi so but but you know like i mean anything sort of like that can spark your imagination that can get yeah. you to think whether that be a micro story whether that be a podcast i just think it's fantastic that more and more people uh you know are getting to tell their stories and that is what is so uh, beautiful i think it's about agency it's yeah. it's really about agency and voice and uh, now what off repeated we're saying who's who gets to tell yeah. my story and in what way the hegemony of uh, the narratorial voice is changing it doesn't rests with one person with who has who has access to resources um and and everything else that yeah. that needs you to put together an apparatus of storytelling it's become yeah. um delinked to the larger organism and ev- every moving part is is active with possibilities and that is a very very joyous time uh, actually to be in and harking back to your first question of uh, who's actually supporting this kind of work and in many ways in filmmakers storytellers in south asia actually are are organisms on their own right and might yeah. and we figured it we're telling it on our own yeah, yeah. we not had resources but we're not wallowing in that yeah. depth and it's not it's not a fair system even there it's it's yeah. more aged and uh, matured than our systems here and it takes a while to figure that out as well but we yeah. at it we're also uh, and a lot of us are also doing that on our own terms yeah. and that's that's liberating and to watch tiktok is 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 liberating so i think in terms of a cultural production of visual material we're in a very very dynamic time and to be 
out there with a camera right now um is 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 a very exciting time because yeah. now people are more aware people are now asking us you know in netflix ke liye ban rahi hai film gaon mein jaoge aap the first thing you want to do ask is drone kab nikalogi you know <laughs> completely yeah. changed the kids are on uh, it for sure yeah completely we were shooting in uttarakhand and the, all the women uh, you know the farmers the women were just like you know drone se aap ye shot nahi lenge pahad ke upar se and that's from years back where we had to explain everything yeah. and what we're trying to do la 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 yeah so uh, all of it is 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 actually a very dynamic time to be producing these stories yeah yeah and i think to circle back to you know our initial sort of um discussion about um, who gets to tell these stories as well i mean some of the ajit prop that has been coming out on tiktok you know these kids doing incredible political work as well um on the these short micro fiction kind of uh, platforms uh, i mean you know they never the idea is it the like the goal isn't to end up in some major festival but with uh the technology and the digital medium being um you know in the hands of uh, young people of across strata that is uh, you know it's unprecedented in history i think to have that much control over your voice and uh, how you put things out and how you represent yourself and express yourself so that's yeah. that's truly something that we need to kind of you know um, track closely um that's also why the you know governments across the world keep trying to uh, ban all of these <laughs> platforms and apps right because they are a threat i mean yeah there's penetration there's there's possibility there's uh, yeah there's something happening but um thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak to artilap it was great having you thank you so much Yes, it was the pleasure the pleasure yeah. is all ours and i do want to close the dd urdu story we didn't get the project that year and spoiler alert was traumatizing and after 3 years we get a letter like after by post yeah after we won the national award and like we got a letter by post saying oh you know you've been shortlisted and we'll give you like 4 lakh rupees to do 7 episodes you know like that so seems to be this terrible yeah. number of things <laughs> just for us there's something to that yeah. yeah. so thank you <laughs> it is and so i think it's been a wonderful opportunity to also recap our own journey yeah. and, and name names psbt and dd <laughs> yeah i think mean, i guess you guys are like immune from any uh, backlash now so you ab to ban gaye to ab to theek hai abhi naam le sakte hai so they've been supporting functions for like so many filmmakers especially like i feel that i that you know i mean one of the critiques that a lot of filmmakers including us have had is that you know why can't you increase the grants yeah. and reduce the number yeah. of filmmakers but then you know the response to that always has been but then lesser filmmakers lesser first time filmmakers lesser student filmmakers get an opportunity and you know, like that you know, yeah sense. that makes sense so you know it's bootstrapped but it is what it is and you've got to sort of live with that and i think the times that we are in now more and more people are finding newer ways of telling their stories so while there are no avenues there are many avenues and that's the irony of it all and that is what makes it so exciting to be a storyteller in today's day and age. so right. yeah that you're right a paradox but uh, a promising one let's see how it plays out <laughs> Thank you so much once again for being on Artel Up. And uh, all the best with all your future projects. I hope we have a chance to speak in depth uh, maybe once uh, Writing with Fire gets a wider release in India. 
Thank you for tuning in to Art Alap with Rintu Thomas and Sushmit Ghosh in which we discuss their award-winning filmmaking practice in the wake of their multiple wins at the Sundance Film Festival 2021. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and share the episode over social media. For more information and updates, you can follow us on Instagram at art.alap and on Twitter at at @rtalap. Uh, before I go, I uh, want to take a moment to send strength and support to our listeners as we in India battle the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope you and those uh, you care about stay safe during this time. Uh, a reminder too that uh, direct messages on Artalab social media, Instagram and Twitter, are open if you want to share resources, especially if you're an arts and culture organization wanting to spread information about relief initiatives. 